Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Monday, August the 23rd, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and continue to connect the dots from the Old Testament to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 9. On Friday, we received a review session of the Old Testament sacrifices, the holy place, the most holy place, and how it all connected to the tabernacle, the outer courts, the tent, the people, the bread of the presence, you name it, we went through it all. And all that was set up to talk to today about how the author connects it all back to Christ. As we started this study in Hebrews chapter 1, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, and the Son speaks to us again today, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's word, we have the joy of having with us regular guest David, Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Line Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's a it's a joy to be here this this morning. It's a, a joy to hear your voice. So give us an update. Uh, what's going on for Pastor Boisclair and the Saints at Faith and Bethesda? Well, we continue to uh, uh, preach uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and and witness to uh, the saints. And uh, I guess we go through go through life, and and we're continual continual desire to uh, be closer to the Lord uh, through through His means of grace. And so things are going going okay, and and uh, we're 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 still. Uh, healthy. I, I, for myself, I, I can say I, I got a clean bill of health from my doctor and everything, so I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> well, I think it. I think this might mean that you need to go to Hodak's restaurant in South City again, since to celebrate your good health. What do you think? Oh, absolutely, the best chicken <laughs> uh, in St. Louis. <laughs> for those, it are- is also something. Uh, the, it's a, a secret of of uh, the local people. Uh, you know, ever if you ever go to an establishment where a lot of the, the local people go, that speaks a lot for an establishment. Absolutely. You know, in terms of a restaurant. Reminder to our listeners, back in April, I was in St. Louis and had a wonderful time having dinner with uh, Pastor Boyce Claire at Hodak's Restaurant, where great chicken is. And actually, Pastor, I am now drinking out of that Hodak's cup that we got when we um, were there. So it's it's a lot of fun and good memories. But we are here today to be in the Word of God. And so, Pastor, as we study Hebrews chapter 9, can you begin our time in prayer? Uh, most Most joyfully. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you entered once for all into the heavenly sanctuary to present your own blood to atone for our sins, just as you suffered once for all on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God that impended against us in the law. Guide us, uh, guide our study in this morning hour to strengthen us in the confidence that there now remains no condemnation for us since we are in you through holy baptism, the washing of regeneration that does so much more than the rites of the old covenant ceremonial law. Defend us, defend us and your Christendom against the hosts of evil surrounding us 
and give us the firm confidence of knowing that those that are with us are greater than those who are with those in the world. We commit ourselves into your gracious, nail-scarred hands, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners that if you have any questions about Hebrews, any, any part of Hebrews really, because there's always opportunities for us to address different questions, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. And today we are in chapter 9, and so Pastor, I wanted us to really make sure we're on the same page, because we on Friday had Pastor Nabil Neuer on, and we went through the first 10 verses, and it was wonderful. I encourage our listeners to listen to that because it sets everything up for today, looking at the Old Testament, um, the, the sacrificial laws, the Holy of Holies, the, the high priests, and obviously it connects us all back to Jesus, but today we see it clearly in the text. So Pastor, what kind of background information or thoughts do you have that will help us start off on the right foot today? I think uh, the verse that, or a verse that just comes before, um, before our, the verse, uh, the chapter that we're looking at, it, where he talks about uh, in verse nine, uh, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says, "According to this arrangement, uh, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper," and so there he contrasts the um, worship of the, uh, the Old Testament church of Christ, which is the, uh, you know, the assembly, the kahal, uh, and, and, and uh, the, the uh, ark of the, well, you know, the, sanct, the um, uh, tabernacle and, and then the temple of Solomon, uh, that, it, that here we're talking about the cleansing of the conscience. And that's something that he uh, gets more closely into in, in the passage we're going to look at. And so as you look at these verses today, um, I'll ask you this now. What is What would you consider to be a theme of our, our scripture readings we have today? you have any, any thoughts on that? Um, it would be that Christ is the mediator of uh, a more perfect uh, covenant, or, you know, in other words, the new covenant, okay. and as opposed to the old, old covenant, which... I, I don't know whether you could say that Moses is the mediator of it, uh, although, um, you know, it may, may very well be as uh, the angel of the Lord is the one, of course, that followed the Israelites. And that, of course, is the pre-incarnate uh, presence of our Lord Jesus, the, the, the word uh, in, in the Old Testament. And, and then, of course, uh, and then, and then he's, he's spoken of it. It's done through angels. And I think that uh, I think the writer in the letter to the Hebrews kind of points that out. But here, here you have uh, the Son of God that comes in the flesh, and, and so he mediates the new covenant. And it's, it's such powerful language in chapters 7, 8, and 9 of this new covenant making the old covenant obsolete, um, the, the weakness of the old covenant. But the goal was always the same. The goal was not to make the old covenant, as we hear in Jeremiah 31. The goal was never to make that the final thing. This was never supposed to be the end. It was always pointing them to the future of the heavenly hope, of the heavenly tent that Jesus would have as he serves his people. And I know you've referenced uh, Dr. Kleinig's uh, commentary, and he speaks about Jesus up in the heavenly tent as being our heavenly liturgist. 
continually serving us the gifts from on high for the sake of the good of his people. So I love how you said that. Yeah, Christ as our mediator of the new covenant. New meaning you don't need the old one because the old one was never supposed to be the one. So, Pastor, I'm ready. Are you ready to begin? Yes. Yes, I am. Let's do it. We'll start with verses 11 through 14. And reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture of Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the internal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, Pastor, there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a lot in there. How would you start us off? Oh, you bet. Um, basically, he's, he's again, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews is, is urging uh, those who are either thinking about or, or wanting to go back to the, uh, Judaism or the Jewish uh, religion, uh, be, you know, probably under pressure because the Roman Empire uh, basically said Christianity was an illicit religion, but the uh, Judaism is a licit uh, you know, permitted religion, and and he's just and and he ha- he's contrasting this in in such a, a remarkable way from the lesser to the greater. So so in other words, uh, it, it the new covenant of Jesus Christ obviously is infinitely greater than the old shadow covenant that pointed forward to him. Mm. And, and so he, he's like saying, well, you know, if, if something like the blood of uh, bulls or, you know, base, basically bull calves and, and uh, billy goats and um, the ashes of a heifer, well, would ceremonially cleanse people, you know, in other words, of the requirements from the, the old covenant so that they could continue to be in fellowship with uh, their friends and neighbors of the people of Israel and then also worship, then how much more is the blood of Jesus Christ, whom which he offers for us, uh, able to cleanse, uh, you know, cleanse us thoroughly, cleanse our consciences? And and this kind of that ties into what uh, Peter writes in First uh, Peter chapter three verse twenty one that baptism saves us not the uh, washing of the filth of the body but by a, the appeal to God for a good conscience mm. and and that's that's kind of a thing like in the old with the old covenant if you relied upon it, it it's like works righteousness you're not going to be right with god through those rites and ceremonies and so on without uh trust in uh christ and his redemption and his blood which is which cleanses gives us a good conscience because uh our, our he has uh suffered for our sins he's taken the penalty for our sins and then he has offered in his perfect life uh, a substitute for our sinful lives. 
And I love how you're speaking about the conscience. He brings it up twice, in, even in these few words, and we hear it, like you said, in 1 Peter chapter 3, connecting to the gifts of holy baptism. How would you define that um, understanding of purifying our conscience? What is the conscience? The, the conscience is that uh, sense that in, in, our, in, in ourselves or in our soul where, where we're reminded, you know, if we do something good, you know, it says good attaboy. If, if we do something that's wrong, it says, uh, you know, you're going to be held accountable for what you've done. Uh, a conscience itself is like a, a proof of the existence of God, because it, it tells us that there is some a power that is greater than ourselves that holds us accountable. So it's, it, it might be that little inner voice that uh, uh, lets us know when we've messed up. And, and, that, and, and, and sometimes a conscience can be um, misinformed so that, you know, we might think that it's, it's wrong for us to uh, wear uh, anything other than uh, to wear white after Labor Day, uh, you know, it, to think that that's a sin is a conscience that that's poorly formed. Um, that, but but it but I can say this: according to Scripture, it is always a sin to go against your conscience. Mm. Uh, you know that so that obviously it should be uh, a Christian's endeavor to have a good conscience and and not not have a conscience which which uh, uh, leads them astray. And that's interesting because you have those, you know, those kind of rules, like you can't wear navy blue and black. And so there's times where, where I've, I've wear navy blue and black and your conscience is seared the whole time. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And I was like, well, who said that rule? Who says I can't walk outside without navy blue and black? You know, same thing with, with white pants after Labor Day. That's funny you bring that up. And it's, it's, it's very, the, the conscience is formed by the word of God. And that is, and that's a, a, a distinction. Like you said, it can be seared because we are following things that aren't necessarily in the Word of God, and that would be a bad conscience. But He gives us a good conscience to know that we're in a right relationship with Him. Is that kind of, is that is that in the right direction? Yes. Yeah. I think that's a perfect. That's exactly the the correct uh, direction to go here. So he's, and, and and you see, the thing is is even the conscience can be misformed if, if well, obviously God has, has his law. And then he has, you know, the law is of, of three uh, types in the, in the Bible. There, it is either his moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, which is the one that's still valid for Christians. And then you, but then you have the ceremonial law, which deal with the worship of the Old Testament and the uh, political law, which dealt with the uh, children of Israel in, in ancient times. Uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that even with something uh, as salutary, or, well, you might, or I, I don't want to use the word salutary, that's only for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But even something which, of course, is the word of God, which is his law, can be something that can be used uh, to form the conscience in a bad way. Because then you get work righteousness. In other words, if I, if I do this the best I can, if I try hard, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get everlasting life. That's a bad conscience. Right. Oh, that's good. And and it's interesting here. So he is making the argument that we can have a good conscience because unlike the old rituals of bulls and goats and sprinkling defiled persons with ashes of a heifer, um, that there they got a better conscience. Like they knew that they were forgiven 
um, by the Lord. The Lord was in control. They knew of God who cared for them. But it was never something where you felt fully um, uh, with a good conscience because you were not completely purified because the blood was not from God. The blood was from goats and calves and everything else. So you were constantly having to do it. There always was a new priest that you needed. There was always another sacrifice needed. All of that was continually, you never knew. It was like a revolving door. You never quite ever got out. But now, by Christ's blood, you have a clear conscience with God because the final sacrifice has been made. The high priest is is sitting at the right hand of God. And he is, like I said before, I love the language that Kleinig uses, that he is our heavenly liturgist continually giving us his perfect gifts forever. Any any thoughts on that? That's one that I'm trying to unpack in my mind. Well, you know, and that not that wonderful uh, as, as a picture of what we do? In the office of the public ministry, mm-hmm. that that in, in, that we are we are under shepherds of Jesus, the good shepherd. We are we are under liturgists then, ah, uh, yeah. because uh, it is always our intention to give His people, feed His people with the precious gospel and and the holy uh, sacraments of, uh, of the Lord's Supper and and the words of absolution, and and so uh, in a sense, so that's why Jesus says, "He who hears you hears me." Mm-hmm. And he who hears me, hears him that sent me. So this is good for our listeners, that you have a clear conscience with the Lord by the blood of Christ. You don't have to worry about uh, your relationship with him because he's done it all. He reigns perfectly, it says in chapter 7, I believe. Uh, he, he is the one who reigns eternally. And he stands and gives us that, that purification by his work, not our own. And that's a joy of being a pastor as well. So pray for your pastors as they give you a clear conscience before our Lord. Uh, pastor, anything else before we move on in our text? Yes, in verse 14, mm-hmm. which is uh, where we went, it talks about dead works. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, here and also in uh, chapter 6, uh, it speaks about, uh, I think it was six one where it speaks about the... Um, repentance from dead works um this is kind of a troublesome now it it could it's not necessarily sins because then why why wouldn't uh the the author use the word sins uh this is this is like uh perhaps works that are done in in work righteousness uh you know a lot of the you know the um scribes and pharisees at the time of our lord uh, we're we're trusting in their own works uh, in 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 order to make themselves right with God, uh, and uh, and so dead works are, are in in other words works that are done for the purpose of of uh, redeeming us. Apart, you know, in other words, not the righteousness or the works of Christ. Now, the the uh, living works you might say are those works which are a fruit of saving faith. And so it, it's kind of like where he's saying that, uh, you know, we are, we are, uh, you know, he, that's where he's really appealing to these folks, these Christians that want to go back to Judaism or to the, uh, the um, Old Testament religion, that uh, they're engaged in works that, that are not going to bring them life. So that's, that's how I, that's kind of how I look at that word where it says dead works. So works that are not done in faith would be considered right. dead works. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
Yeah. I think that is probably the simplest uh, explanation of that. Thank you. <laughs> right. Well, that's about that's about deep as I get here. So hold on tight. Um, it is it is really fascinating um, to be able to think about that because uh, you know uh, the law says do and and uh, it's never done. You know, but uh, was it the gospel says uh, believe and it is already done, and it's that just wonderful reality of when we confess Jesus as Lord, which is a gift by the Holy Spirit, that we know that Christ has done it all. And this is, I mean, it's incomprehensible. This is what's great about Hebrews, is it's incomprehensible not only of our salvation, but also of what awaits for us in the future. And that gives me a clear conscience to realize that as, as, as deep as or as perfect as I can imagine heaven to be, it's not even close to what the real thing is. And then that relates to our forgiveness. As much as I love forgiveness when my kids forgive me or my wife forgives me or people in church forgive me, um, that's nothing compared to the full forgiveness we have in Christ. And so we get this shadow, as it talks about in chapter 8, this uh, copy, if you will, of the full thing. But we, we don't, I mean, all the news that we're talking about here, Pastor, we don't even understand the fullness of it because it's so much better. Any, any thoughts? I mean, that just rings through, I think, in these verses. Any, any thoughts before we move on? Oh, I, I, think, I think you really got your finger on, on something that's vital, vitally important here. Um, and, and, and this is kind of the, the spirit of, of the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, that uh, you know, we have so much, so much more in Christ. Uh, and, um, uh, and, it, and, and, and just the peace that it gives to you. Uh, you know, it's like we can't—how would we— picture ourselves as non-Christians. I mean, just think of, of what you have to, uh, how much, many worries you might have, or how much, how much of a sad life that you might have. It's, um, uh, it really, uh, boggles the mind with, with joy. It's a, it's a joy that has no end mm-hmm. that we have in Christ. Yeah. Not only at the, at the resurrection, but now, I mean, the joy that never ends is, is such a, such a true statement. Wow. So let's keep moving forward. We're about to get to our break, but I want to make sure we continue to move forward in this text. And so we are able to uncover more of this clear conscience our Lord gives. Verse 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For there a will is involved. The death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Now, I want to stop there for a moment just to make sure we get our verse 15 correct, because you said the main theme of our, our time today in God's word is that Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Very clear in verse 15. What does it mean to be a mediator of a new covenant? Well, it, it's someone, obviously, as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Mm. Uh, you know, God, of course, uh, in his holiness uh, cannot abide sin. And, and that, of course, is, is brought forth brought forward in the law. 
So there has to be someone that steps in between in order to make peace between us and God. And Christ, by his perfect life and his death and resurrection and, and all of what he did for our redemption, reconciles God to the world. And then, and that, and so that, that's, that's, he's sort of the, the, the go between, the one in between, you know, like if you have two uh, uh, groups in, like maybe in a labor dispute, you, you have, you know, they have like arbitrators and mediators. Arbitrators say, this is how it's going to be, folks. Uh, and, you know, if they choose that. But, but a mediator is one that tries to bring the two sides together uh, in order to agree. On, on, on have an agreement. And so, and even, you know, the covenant is an agreement, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much one-sided. God, God does it all. And, 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 and so Jesus is the one that uh, brings, brings about the uh, covenant, of, the new covenant of the gospel, as opposed to the old covenant of the law. And so we talk about a mediator, is that he is making it known that there's not a question of has the work been done? That is there a full agreement between both sides, God and man? There's, there's not a question of that because all he has to do is show you the cross. Am I, am I right on that? That's kind of the, yes. like, well, I don't know if it's done. Like, well, yeah, it is. Here it is. As you prayed so beautifully in your nail-driven hands um, that we we know that it is done. It is finished. It is all there. It, it, the the mediation does not need to be done for hours because it is already done. Um, any other thoughts on, I think that's such an important reality in this text of, 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 of a mediator that he does all the mediation compared to what we understand in our world today. Any last thoughts on that? Yes, it, it, it's, it's what you see as uh, the, um, as I said, it's the, the heart of the gospel. Uh, and that's why the God, the gospel is what saves us. It's that word of God, which is which uh, the Holy Spirit uses to create faith in our hearts and in this uh, mediator of a new covenant or testament. And and uh, you know it, it's he's the one that uh, made his last will and testament, which Martin Chemnitz, uh, one of our great teachers of the past, says is the Lord's Supper. And so, uh, you know, that's sort of like his last will and testament for us, that we inherit eternal life as a result of his, uh, his death, you know. It, it, and, of course, he has risen from the dead, and now as, as the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says, he is, is empowered by a, a, an, a eternal or an endless life. You know, he's, he's always the mediator that stands between the Father and us. Well, right now, is I want to hear more about this, especially, as you said, last will and testament, and in verse 16 and 17, it talks about a will. What is he talking about? But I want to get to that at the other side of our break. We are studying Hebrews chapter 9 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. 
The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Hebrews chapter 9 with Pastor David Boisclair. And right now, we've had such rich language of what our Lord Jesus has done for us. That the blood that was shed in the Old Testament, much better blood was shed in the New. Um, the, Old the Old Covenant is desolate. It is weak. It is nothing. But the New Covenant with Jesus is full and complete. And I guess you would say strong. And he's a mediator. He's the one that makes sure that there's a good relationship between us and the Father and gives us a clear conscience before him that we are in his grace and love by his cross. And today, you, you spoke about last will and testament, which obviously points us to the Lord's Supper. But also in verse 16 and 17, it says, For where a will is involved, and it speaks about the reality of a will only coming into action when someone has died. I These are verses I'm kind of confused at, so I wanted to hear what you had to say of what is the argument that the author is making. Well, um, Jesus uh, wants us to be heirs of everlasting life, and so and and so. In other words, he gives a, he uh, says uh, that I bequeath to those who follow me uh, everlasting life, and and then he dies. But the neat thing is, is that he doesn't stay dead. <laughs> he rises again from the dead, but the death has taken place. You know, and just like when, when the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show the Lord's death until he comes. And, and so it, it, it is a celebration of his, his blessed, perfect, uh, redeeming, uh, once for all death that uh, takes away sins and then but guess what he's he's still he, he comes back <laughs> he's risen and uh and, and you know the the writer of the letter to the hebrews is is uncanny by uh what they call it litotes uh, where you say you know say it's so much better you know it's obviously better you know you know in, in other words understatement uh, so he's he's sort of a good understater uh, of the yeah. impact of the gospel you know it's it's better than the blood of abel it speaks better things you know it's a better covenant it's a better <laughs> well a yeah point. sure yeah, 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 and it's it's interesting. Verse eighteen, where it admits, okay, that the first covenant was inaugurated uh, wasn't. Uh, excuse me, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Admitting that there was blood, and also admitting that that was a shadow, that was a copy, that that was not to be the end. The the slaughtering of animals and, and so forth was was not to be the end, and that's a theme I, I keep bringing up. But any any thoughts? I, I feel. There's a little bit of, of sarcasm, if I can say it that way, that the author's doing here. But any, any thoughts on verse 18? Well, that's, uh, you know, the, the sacrifice of the innocent animal. These animals that are, that are sacrificed in the Old Testament cult, you know, cult is the word for like a service of worship, uh, were, were innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. Uh, they they had nothing to do with uh, the the sins you know and 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 I'm that in a sense the sacrifice of these animals was a proclamation of the gospel yeah. 
There has to be an innocent victim that has to be um, put to death for the sake of, of the people that are to be, um, to be redeemed. And, and that's, and that's basically what, what happened there. I, I, sometimes I speak of them as visual aids. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in other words, when we see the innocent animal being sacrificed, uh, not that, not that animals are perfect or anything, but, but they're, they're certainly, uh, as, as, uh, Thomas More, uh, the great English, uh, uh, scholar used to say, God made plants, or rather he said he made the angels to show him splendor as he made animals for innocence mm. and plants be, to show simplicity mm. um, and, and so on. And, but man, he made to serve him in the tangle of his mind. So, wow. <laughs> so anyway, in this particular case is like animals in their innocence. Uh, so it's an, it, it's the shedding of innocent blood that of course occurs as, as, uh, he so powerfully and, and, and somewhat often says once for all uh, by the Lamb, well, by the uh, Son of God. What is, to speak to that a little bit is, you know, we had the, the story of, uh, of the rainbow, um, the biblical story of the rainbow a, a few weeks ago, in, or maybe more, than long, maybe more than a month ago now, of the, in the lectionary. And it's interesting yes. when you actually read the story, and you see about the sacrifices he made. I had a, one of our beloved members, and she came up to me or, or called me after the service and was basically like, well, that's a raw deal for those birds and those animals that they, you know, they, they endure the ark, and then after all that, they're about to get out, and then they get sacrificed. <laughs> you know, what did they do was the comment made to me. And I like how you said that. Because I guess I didn't really have a good answer. I was like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, they needed to be the sacrifice. But to speak about how it points to Christ that those animals didn't do anything, but yet had to be sacrificed for that purpose. And then what, in the same way, Christ did nothing wrong but sacrifice for our sins. That's a, I'm going to have to call that parishioner back and tell her that exactly what you said. Because that's a better answer than I gave her. What do you think? Well, I, I think you, you probably had, had the understanding. I mean, obviously, all of us are God's creation. Um, you know, I mean, again, there, there isn't very clear evidence of this, but if you look at Romans chapter 8, it says the entire creation looks forward to the revealing of the, of the sons mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there have been a lot of uh, Christians believe that they will see animals in, in the new creation, in, in uh, the life to come. You know, with, with, in other words, it's of course it's God has it all in His hands, but um, you know, and that's maybe you could even say that's why God created the animals. So, right. <laughs> they, well, and, and like, and, and then again, we eat them. Uh, you know, so so I know that the animals are 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 um, uh, sacrificed or or rather killed for the sake of uh, of people. But that, that's in the line with, with the way God has established the earth. And I think you pointed that out. But then you, you right. wanted to say that perhaps these innocent animals also preach the gospel yeah. by their death. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know about you, Pastor, but I'm getting hungry to go to Hodax. You're a lot closer than I am. So I think this might be a, a good reminder of that. Well, I think, I think I'll have to go there and, 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 and uh... celebrate without me. Absolutely. So let's continue on. We could talk all day about that, but it continues to get even richer of our understanding of God's grace this morning. 
Verse 19, we'll go through verse 22. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So he brings us back to Moses. What is he telling us here? Well, um, he, he's showing he, he's showing there's a similarity between the old uh, the old covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. In that, uh, you know, there is the the shedding of the blood of the innocent animals, uh, and and again, it is it, you know, it isn't that blood which well in in this particular case, you know, God has established His ceremonial worship in the Old Testament, so this is part of the uh, process of um, uh, sac- sanctifying or or. or in, it, it's sort of a ceremonial um, uh, rite which uh, purifies, but it, it's kind of pointing, it's showing people that they, they they need to have the blood of an innocent victim that will cover them. Uh, you know, like in, on the um, Ark of the Covenant, uh, the uh, where it says that it, it's called the um, uh, the mercy seat. Is, is where the high priest uh, on the Day of Atonement it sprinkles the blood on there. And Jesus, of course, himself is that blood cover, you know, the one uh, that uh, covers us with his blood and righteousness. And, and so, it, 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 again, it, this is, this is uh, pointing forward to the necessity of, of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this, you can't, there's two things that come to mind. First of all, we've had on our program, well, for years, um, Pastor uh, Kevin Parviz. And and as a as a one of, of Jewish background, he has a lot of great insights. And one of his insights when we talk about sacrifices is that we might think it is kind of neat and clean, you know, that they were able to do the sacrifice and, and they had a very, you know, uh, they were able to clean it up with uh, Mr. Clean after or something. But he was very adamant to point out that to do these sacrifices was a mess. It didn't smell good. It wasn't good. And he he just pointed out that this shows us the messiness of the sacrifices, which then reminds us of the messiness of the innocent suffering and death of our Lord Jesus. This was not pretty, but as theologians of the cross is exactly what we need. And that just, I, I couldn't help but think about of him talking about spreading the blood on the book and then spreading the blood on the people. Can you imagine in our world today if someone were to throw blood on people and to say that this was some kind of you know spiritual ritual that will help you forgive sins? I mean, people would be mortified, wouldn't you think? What do you think of that? Oh, oh yeah, oh, they'd be mortified. They would be uh, belligerent. I mean, they'd, they'd attack you. I mean, right. that's... That that's uh, you know it's like now now with the COVID situation uh, you know I mean e- even if you cough in public you know people look at you <laughs> uh, like you're some kind of a, a criminal or something you know it, it's just it, it it's it it sin stinks mm-hmm. and so and, and so you see the 
the that kind of uh, uh, you know, it's sort of pictured to the people of the old covenant, and, and that was the need for the incense <laughs> that was uh, right. to, to be applied uh, in order for them to uh, be able to bear it. You know, it's it's interesting in in, in the St. Louis area there was a um, uh, there was a grocery store. I'm not going to men- mention uh, it's no longer in existence, but you'd go walk in there and you'd always smell. You know, it wasn't cleaned properly, and uh-huh. and you could smell like that the dead meat or you know the rotten meat or something like that it, it, that or, or maybe the blood that was that was uh, uh, that was not cleaned up mm. and uh, you know it's 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 it, 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 it in a sense it reminds us of the uh, the filthiness of our sins the uh, the you know the the horribleness of them and that's why it's so important that last verse without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins showing us once again that that's probably the most that's probably the most important verse in this passage that ah. that verse so tell us more about that i'm sure you, you use that in your your sermon don't you oh absolutely a lot in all your the sermon. time all the time so yeah. tell us why is that so important in this text uh, because because it shows the necessity for the shedding of jesus's blood to take away our sins I mean, that, that, in other words, there were people that uh, even, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, religious scholars and, and uh, teachers that say, well, why doesn't God just say it's okay, you know, when we commit a sin? Why? It's, it's okay. He, he shouldn't be, uh, you know, heck-bent on, on just simply punishing people for those sins. Why doesn't he just forget them? Why doesn't he just say, that's okay, little little ones, you know, you, you, you don't, uh, you know, it, it, it took uh, the, the sacrifice of God's son to, to reconcile him to us and, and to take away those sins. You know, it, it, that's, that is, that's so vitally important to remember. And so as we look at that, it continues on to the rest of our time um, to even, I would say, give us even more rich understanding of what this means to have this forgiveness with the with the central theme, the mediation, uh, the mediator of our Lord Jesus, and also the forgiveness of sins that was shed by him, it continues to move forward to even show us more of this grace. So let's continue on, 23 and 24. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So he, he uses that language as he did in chapter 8 of the, the necessity of the, the, the reality of copies of these rites, but now there's a better sacrifice, and I love how he ends, on our behalf. How would you put these? What What is the author telling us? He's He's telling us, of course, that um, that in 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 heaven also there is um, maybe an eternal reality, like a like a holy place or a holy place. In other words, uh, the you know the approach to to the holy God, of course, who dwells in inapproachable light. Um, and, and Jesus said to his disciples uh, before he left, um, in my father's house are many resting places or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. 
So, so in a sense, it is to dedicate heaven for us uh, in, 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 by his blood, uh, you know, in, in, in a sense. Uh, that's, that's kind of like how you, how, maybe the best way to look at that is that because obviously heaven is perfect. I mean, that's, that's the abode of God. You know, how could you make it more perfect? Uh, but but in, in, in Christ himself says to his disciples, in, 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 um, or he said, he's praying to his father, he says, I consecrate myself, mm-hmm. you know, so that they may be consecrated. So, so in a sense, even, even God and uh, God the Son, our Lord Jesus, and, and even uh, the eternal home that we have in heaven is, is, is sort of made ready for us by the blood of our Lord Jesus. I like how it ends. On our behalf, it, it reminds me of chapter 7, when it talks about he is constantly, I see now, he, is, uh, he always lives to make intercession for them, showing that Christ is our advocate. And I think about kind of going to the law theme, like you were speaking about a little bit. You have the last will and testament. You have the will. The lawyer is making sure all of that is put together properly so that he can, he or she can be the mediator between you and the law, you and the judge. Um, all of that gives us a certain amount of comfort, knowing that there's somebody who's speaking on our behalf. But here, you just don't have somebody who's speaking on our behalf, right, praying for us as an intercessor, but that he is advocating for us, and he's advocated all the way to death. I mean, think about that. that all the way to death, he has done all of this on our behalf and still does it today. Any thoughts on, on that mediator language? I just, it's such short language, but I think it's so powerful on our behalf. That's that that is so so much why you know we by we in a sense we we give glory to him and we celebrate this and we communicate this to others. What a wonderful savior we have that that has done all of this, um, and and continues to do this. It, it's it's it he is he is living, you know. I mean, Christianity is about reality. And this is the reality of, of the Son of God being our mediator, our, the one who brings us to God in, in such a powerful and perfect way that he does. Now, Pastor, I want to go take a step back, and I apologize, but, you know, heck, we, we, we take a step back when we go to the Old Testament, of course. And, and there was an email that we did receive about verse 20. You can go back to verse 20. When it says, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. The question is, does this somehow connect to the Lord's Supper? If so, then how? And I think that's a, I think that's a great question because the language is so close. And you did talk about the last will and testament, which would be obviously communion. Any thoughts on how that would connect to the Lord's Supper? Um, it, it is blood that uh, of the old covenant. It is. It is. It is not the new blood of the new covenant. Is the blood of Christ, which is, uh, who, which He gives us to drink in His supper. Uh, so, so in other words, that's why when we consecrate uh, the elements in the Lord's supper with the words of institution, um, uh, in in the same way He took the cup after supper, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, "Drink of it, all of you. This is." my blood of the new covenant or the new Testament shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so, so in a, in a sense, the, the type 
you know, like in the Bible, oftentimes you got type and anti-type, you know, in other words, the Old Testament is this Old Testament uh, sacrifice of blood uh, for the uh, ceremonial purification of the people. And now in the New Testament, you have, uh, of course, what it was pointing forward to, the blood of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which also sanctified them in the Old Testament. And so we would we would kind of see that that he's showing once again this idea of a better covenant that the old covenant um, was the shedding of blood and it did what it needed to do but now we have the new covenant which once again purifies consciences um, shows us the eternal high priest who has shed his own blood um, it really it's not explicitly the Lord's Supper but it sure points us to the better supper that we receive now than it was in the old covenant. Is that, is that fair? Yes. I think that that expresses it very well. Thank very you. Good, yeah. I so think that's good. Let's, let's continue on to the rest of our verses. Um, as we hear once and for all is something that we see in chapter 10 and we hear it um, here as well about the fullness of Christ's redemption for us. 25 till the end. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as he is the appointed, that it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, once again, he makes a, a, a comparison. The old priest who had to constantly make sacrifices and the great high priest who sacrificed himself. How would you unpack these last verses? Well, he, you know, in other words, to the people, the Christians that are thinking about going back to the to Judaism, uh, he's saying, uh, you know, you you do not have a person, a mediator, which is is performing a sacrifice which which uh, can take away your sins. Uh, you know, he he has he he has his own sins that he had. And, and, and in other words, if that was the way that you're going to be saved, it would be something that ha would have to be repeated again and again and again and again, uh, that, uh, be that Christ was able by because he is God and man at the same time, he's able to, uh, offer himself as the sacrifice once and for all, uh, to, to com complete it all. And, and, and are you going to depart from that and go back to that, uh, in, um, that inadequate way of salvation. And that's, he's making a good argument against what people might be saying. You know, like, I want to go back. I, you know, I'll have some circumcision. Yeah, you know, we'll make some of those sacrifices. I like that when they did that for grandpa or great grandpa or whatever it might be. And he's sitting there saying, no, they did it because they were waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah has come. Don't go back to the traditions. Don't go back to the old covenant. Live in the now new covenant that was done once and for all. Now, that, that's pretty powerful language, and we're going to hear more about that in chapter 10 tomorrow. But why is the once for all? Well, let me take a step back. 
is pastor. There's a lot of themes here. Like you, <laughs> you brought up that Christ is a mediator. That's the theme. And then we get to without blood, there's, there's not the forgiveness of sins. Okay. There's another theme. And then here again, I think it says once for all. So can we say there's three main themes? I'm not sure how we do that, but, but it, it's hard not to. So when it says once well, and for all, what does this mean? Well, I mean, just like uh, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is not a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, this is one of the errors that, that, that entered the church, even right after the apostles left the earth. Um, the, um, the apostles, um, you know, or rather the, the, Roman, the Roman Catholic Church um, uh, continues to believe that they sacrifice Christ's body and blood on the altar. It, it, this is this is one of the main points of the Reformation that he it was a, uh, this is not a sacrifice. The sacrifice was made once on Calvary on Good Friday and not uh, every single uh, time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that's that's vitally important to remember. That was the biggest problem that that there is between those two traditions on the the subject of the Lord's Supper. And so. Uh, and then notice it in verse uh, 28, he says, if for the sins of many, that does not uh, agree with Calvin, who said, well, Jesus only died for those who are saved. The many is the Hebrew word for all. Mm. In other words, if you think about humanity, you have Christ as being part of humanity. You, you take him out of the equation, then you have the rest are the many. Right. But that, that is, a, that is an, a Hebrew term, which means all, that he offered himself once for all people. And that's so powerful to know, because if it says all, that means me. And that means you. Yeah. And for you, our listeners, that means you. That if you ever have a question of whether or not anybody's ever done anything for you, Christ has. He has He has shed the blood, which is showing us there's forgiveness. He's mediated, meaning he's done all the work for you, and God the Father knows your name, and God the Father loves you on account of Christ. And here, he says these wonderful words at the end, that he will come again a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is a wonderful, a wonderful language. Eagerly waiting for him. What is he speaking about there? He's he's speaking about the um, uh, parousia, the second coming. Uh, he's as it says, you know, where, where those who love his appearing. You know, we we are his his joyful uh, joyful believers that that are are just happy for for anything he gives us, and, and we are just just really eager. The church eagerly play, prays, you know, come, Lord Jesus. That's a constant uh, refrain of God's people in this world. Uh, just, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention was in verse 27, uh, C.F.W. Walther, uh, the founder of the Missouri Synod, said that that was a mathematical proof that there is no uh, reincarnation because it is appointed unto man or for man once to die, and uh-huh. after that comes the judgment. Okay. And and so that's that that's kind of comforting uh, where where you where you have have that particular thing. The other thing in verse twenty eight, it rules out the idea that when he comes again, uh, you know that there's those who who say that. Um, there is a rapture which takes all the believers out of the world, and then uh, you're, you're saved by somewhat of a, a Jewish type of um, 
thing that Christ will come again and will offer salvation to the other people who haven't believed in the Christian religion. And that, that of course, uh, is ruled out by verse 28. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left. How would you summarize these powerful words of Scripture? That uh, we have a perfect redemption in Jesus Christ, and, and that we should not go back to, to the old um, copies, or you know, the old shadows, but the reality is of Jesus Christ, our dear and blessed Redeemer, who is present to us every day in word and sacrament. Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Line, Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Hebrews chapter 9. Pastor Boyce-Claire, it is great to have you back. Thank you for being our guest. And God bless you and all our listeners. Saints of our Lord, Christ is the mediator. Without blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And once and for all, he has died for you. All of this, we rest. In him, we have peace. And we eagerly await the time he returns because it is all gift. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.